What's up, Spellslingers? My name is Gary and John Wells. I'm Drew Flitton. And I'm Corey Janabagian. And this is Untap, Upkeep, Drink, Beer Up. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Untap, Upkeep, Drink. Today, we're going to be talking about Pioneer, specifically its association with the problems that we see as it is now. Yeah, all of us are, as you would say, magic players, so we try and keep up with everything. Oh, we are? We are. Weird, <laughs> I know. And I think we tend to fall into just playing the formats that we like to play. So when a new format comes out, we're all like, ooh, check this out. What is this about? What I are we like doing? I feel like we always like try and to then, dive into whatever yeah, new we, format's there, but none of them have stuck. Yeah, like we we made lots of different decks over the years, and then just we played a few times, and it was like, nah. And so we, we mostly stick to like modern commander and stuff like that. But today, we're talking about a fresh new face that I think is going to be a lot of fun for everyone. Yeah, and we talked about on the last episode, just kind of, what Pioneer is. So we'll kind of give a refresher on what Pioneer is, just kind of give a recap there uh, for those that didn't listen to that episode or, you know, didn't, just completely forgot. I don't know how you could. Pause the video, go listen. Uh, The next thing we're going to talk about is where does Pioneer stand between Standard and Modern? Um, I want to specifically talk about Pioneer and Frontier and kind of what is going on there, kind of the association people are having. Uh, We also kind of want to take a look at some of the online formats that we've got, what is on uh, MTGO and Arena and what's not. And maybe talk about that a little bit. And then that'll lead us into just talking about just all of the formats as a whole and how Pioneer fits in to Magic the Gathering in its entirety. Yeah, we know what Pioneer is as far as the rules and what's legal, but like what is it for Magic players? Okay, guys, now that we've sort of outlined what we're doing with the show, let's dive into what we really care about, (laughs) the beers. The beers. Uh, We've got a weird selection today. But they all look like they've got some promise. Yeah, this would be the uh, random fridge. Ooh, that looks good. Yeah, yeah I was like, oh, I haven't had that one. Ooh, we have a stash had that one. of beers for the show. And so we just kind of, we got a potluck today. <laughs> uh, today I'm drinking the Lev Black Lion Premium Dark Beer. It's a Czech beer. Clocking in at 4.7% ABV and the IBUs were unlisted. Mm. Straight away it smells like uh, cold morning coffee. A little sweet. That is weird. It's a pretty solid beer. Uh, it's kind of reminiscent of a like a black pilsner. I yeah, say I don't, like don't want to say realm. it's watery because it <coughs> tastes like it should have more texture or body, but it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, but that that's good. Yeah, I think we had a different Lev beer on the show before. And it was just the the standard Lev Lion, I think. Yeah, not the yeah, black. It's just a wheat. Hef, I think. Yeah, I, I think it, it was a it, lager. Because this one's, there, it's a Czech brewery. So I think it might have been a, a Czech style lager or, oh, yeah, or something like that. It was good. I don't know, it was really good. But yeah, this one uh, smells more like roasted, uh, but it still has that kind of European beer smell. Uh, it is kind of thin, is the word. Yeah. It's not like, I know, watery would be a very kind of, uh, suggestion if it didn't have like the flavor as well but it, it still yeah. has all of the flavor but it's just it doesn't like coat your mouth it's not sticky it's just thin yeah it literally says black beer yeah. on the on the label and it's it's super black it looks very very malty and it tastes malty but it doesn't have any of that heaviness like you guys are saying it's i don't know if smooth is the right word but it's not not smooth it's not not smooth <laughs> but it's and it's not heavy it's just it is kind of watery but in a 
good way. Texture-wise. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a, a weird uh, texture, but I like it. Yeah, it's got a lot of flavor. Drew, what are you drinking? You, you'll see the pour right now, and this is probably one of the most interesting pours that we've had yeah, on so, the show. It's wild. <laughs> we've had before the Left Hand Brewing Co's uh, Milk Stout. Just It is America Stout on Nitro. It's fantastic. So when I saw this one, this is the White Russian Nitro from Left Hand Brewing. Uh, ABV 8.9, uh, and your IBU sitting at 20. So not really a lot of bitterness to it, but it's also a nitro, which is just going to add to that smoothness. I've never had a white Russian beer, but they describe it as a stout with coffee and vanilla added to it. So I, I like the way Ooh. they worded that because a lot of times when it's Ooh. supposedly brewed with vanilla, you don't get a lot of that vanilla. It kind of gets lost in those roasted flavors. I'll say again. Oh, <laughs> this smells like a, a just a solid coffee. Like it is roasty and the color of this is just like insanely deceptive for it. Yeah, but it does not look like a stout. It's like yeah, I, roasted I, and kind of sweet on the nose. I don't know if it's quite vanilla-esque, but it has that kind of uh, quality to it where it so that even smoothness that vanilla kind of brings to a lot of things. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had a white stout before, let alone a white Russian white stout on nitro. <laughs> this tastes like a white Russian. Oh, God. <laughs> it's kind of... Coffee and vanilla. It's smooth as all hell. Has this a little bit of like bitterness to it. That's not a hot bitterness. It's distinctly like a coffee bitterness to it. I think you're gonna really like this one, Corey. You can tell, and I guarantee you're gonna like this. Oh, one. I'm sure I will. <clears throat> you can tell just by the head that it's smooth because it's got the mo- just the finest bubbles. It's almost it's like a, a, it's a nitrogen head. Yeah, it's like whipped cream. You know what I mean? It's like thick. It just, it smells like you were saying, Drew, just coffee and just straight alcohol. <laughs> oh, I don't, didn't really smell I just, the alcohol too I just, I smell the burn. Yeah. <laughs> that is so smooth. It's, that is a dangerous beer because you can just pound that back. There's nothing to stop you. It's delicious. Yeah. I, you can, it's Ooh, I don't really sweet, but not in an overly sweet, sickening way. Yeah. And that vanilla just comes in at the end and just. Yeah. My favorite part of this beer that is creaminess. that on the can. They've got the bowling pin, which is a clear nod uh, to the Big Lebowski. Hell yeah, And as their description is on their, their website, abide with the nitro or white Russian nitro if you're not into the whole brevity thing. White Russian nitro is taking her super smooth for all us craft beer drinkers out there. There's a beverage here for the strikes and gutters, ups and downs. And I don't know about you, but I take comfort in that. With coffee, vanilla, and notes of chocolate, this is a beer that really ties it all together. But well, that's just like our opinion, man. So clear, just like <laughs> yeah, Big Lebowski. Leaning into it. <laughs> I enjoy that beer quite a bit. It's very sweet, smooth. Uh, I I really don't taste <laughs> stout notes. This doesn't really taste like a stout to yeah, me. Yeah, I, I, all I smelled was coffee and alcohol. Didn't taste any yeah. alcohol at all. And last but not least, we have uh, a local for us here. We've got Moab Brewery. Uh, specifically, we've got their Desert Select Scotch Ale. Yeah, so I'm rocking this one. It's a bomber, so it's a big boy. Coming in at eight point five nine percent, which is interesting that they go to two dig- or two digits and not just round it up to eight point six. And just yeah, sitting very at, particular, huh? yeah, accurate. Sitting at uh, twenty IBUs. So, like the rest of these beers, they're not very bitter, or at least hop wise. So, I'm getting a lot of malty notes, but also a lot of fruity notes, Ooh. which I think is interesting. Get a lot of the alcohol smell as well. It it is really fruity. I'm not getting any of that smokiness that they described, but it's very interesting. Last time I was in Moab, I, I don't think I had this Scotch Ale. 
This is super weird. It's for a super weird. I think this is one of the only beers that I haven't had from Moab. Like, it's almost very familiar with their it's, line. It's almost really, tangy. It's really smooth. Yeah, it kind of has like a sour, yeah. but no uh, acidity to it. Yeah. The nose is like dead on orange. It's super weird. Yeah, it definitely has a, a dry Not finish. Real bitter. But it's sweet. It's malty. It's fruity. Yeah. The fruitiness is what's throwing me off because I don't think I've had a fruity Scotch Ale. And Scotch Ales, they're kind of an in between. They're sort of funky on their own right, but I don't think I've had a fruity one. Okay. Laddies. All right, laddie. Let's head out in the front. I, I was going to come up with a joke back. <laughs> I, I was waiting for you. <clears throat> I thought something, there was something. something. Coming, I was just like, let's, let's be pioneers. Exactly. Of the world. Let's head out on the Oregon Trail. <laughs> Hitch your covered wagons up. Go to the frontier. Oh, wait. Shit. <laughs> We're pioneering the way. All right. So let's just do a quick refresher um, talking about Pioneer. What are the details of the format? Corey, you weren't here. Uh, when we recorded the last one, unfortunately. So why don't you start us off? So, like Drew and Gary were saying, it was announced on October 21st, 2019. And people are looking at this sort of like a mini modern. So it's basically the same card pool as modern, but just a much later cutoff point. And it, it runs right up into standard. So anything playable in standard is also playable in Pioneer. Right, so Modern was originally developed uh, as just a format for people to continue to play cards that were in their standard pool that have rotated out, right? Um, but they didn't want to have like a format that was like as daunting and as intimidating as what Legacy is and as expensive. So there are 66 sets that are legal in Modern, which is from Mirrodin and 8th edition forward. I don't know why they make that cut because I'm pretty sure those are like a few months set apart. Um, but for Pioneer, we have cards that are legal from Return to Ravnica forward. Uh, and all of these are, again, as Corey said, the cards that were legal in Standard, because uh, Modern now has Modern Horizons, which is not going to be legal in Pioneer. So I think Mirrodin and 8th Edition came out in like 2003-ish. And 2002, I think. 2002, yeah, it's somewhere around that. And I think, and Return to Ravnica came out in 2012. So there's like, there's nine years of Modern cards that are not legal in Pioneer. Right. There are 29 sets that are going to be legal in Pioneer, while there are, are 66 in Modern. So that's yeah. 37 sets that is the difference between and the two. And I think they thought about this quite a bit on where the cutout, cutoff point was going to be. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, what was kind of, I don't know, I think it's the best thing and the worst thing about Pioneer when it was uh, introduced is that they had their immediate ban list, which was the Cons of Tarkir Fetchlands, which their argument, of course, is that it made for four-color decks, three, four, five-color decks to be significantly easier yeah. to build and to play than what, they, what was desired for it. I think it also just makes decks both all decks both more expensive and more prohibitive for players because with the fetch lands you mean yeah because yeah. you have to have them you can't you can't have a deck that doesn't have them and call it more efficient than anything that does it right. just they just are better period for every deck yeah if you're playing against a deck that has fetch lands generally speaking the way that you balance their speed of getting their colors properly so is by having your own fetch lands. Yeah, yeah so i think they did that for cost and for players to have a better ability to build more things effectively without having to shell out a million dollars. Yeah, but I mean, I think that they kind of nailed it on the money when they when they announced it. They said that they wanted to make sure that three and four color decks were not going to be yeah. as easy to build. And I think that that's kind of important to this format just because it limits what players can do because otherwise, you know, four color good stuff. I mean, that was that was a thing, but uh, they also had their like first ban, uh, which was on November 4th, which was Felder Guardian, Leyline of Abundance, and Oath of Nyssa. And Oath of Nyssa really kind of played into that 
four color good stuff strategy. It also was just really good in the uh, mono green devotion. Uh, but like the four color planeswalker deck was just kind of ridiculous because all of a sudden your color fixing is just perfect as soon as you play that yeah. card. Well, and it makes the building possibilities a little a little harder as far as the three and four color decks, but it also makes people have more options of what can be viable too, instead of having just four decks that are the best decks. Yeah, I think coming in with ban list of just those five cards and then later adding those three was a really, really smart move on Wizards' part because, like you just said, Gary, and they set out this new format and just blew it wide open. Yep. And so everyone could just jump in with a bunch of their old decks and come up with new decks. They didn't have to worry about all these crazy cards that they had that they can't use now. They yeah. just have to worry about the lands. Um, speaking of ban list, they have talked about... Uh, Watsi has decided to have a ban update every Monday from here on out until the end of the year. So every Monday they're going to update us with whether or not there are new bans. Yeah, and these are their BNR announcements which was banned and restricted. Yeah. Uh, which means they could also be looking at other formats to ban or restrict as well, uh, which I think is kind of an important note, even though it's a very small one to make, is that they could be limiting stuff for modern or legacy or whatever, yeah. uh, which will open up different options for Pioneer to play specific strategies or styles. And they could actually start to formulate metas the way that they want them to or kind of way that's going to be more interesting for players to watch and play, Yeah, uh, which I think... I'm hoping they take the do, route but... of making it to where there's not a small pool of best right. decks. They're going to try and like with Felidar Guardian, you, there's no copycat combo anymore because you really neutered like the best right. thing that was happening and that allows people to have more decks and more builds. Yeah, um, what I'm hoping for with these announcements is that yes, they ban the good cards and create a more open meta for everybody, but they also look at old cards and say ah, that doesn't need to be that's not as powerful as it was because yeah. yeah. of these bannings and bring back cards so it's constantly rotating, not just ever dwindling card pool yeah, and just getting rid nice. of the most powerful things. That's yeah. what I'm hoping for. Yeah. So we're recording this episode on Sunday the 10th. Yeah. So tomorrow we're going to have an, another update. And if there's some big, you know, significant bands, I'm going to try and insert them into this uh, episode. Hopefully we don't miss a whole lot, but just know that as of the 10th, there's just the five KTK lands, Felidar, Oath of Nyssa, and uh, Leyline of Abundance. Oh man, guys, just as we expected, we recorded this just a bit early and the next day, November 11th, Veil of Summer was banned. Um, and so there is only one extra card added. Uh, technically, we did miss that, but I decided I'd insert this in here anyway, just for any of you who did not see that. You can always check up on uh, The Gatherer. They're going to post these every Monday. Um, so let's get back to it. All right. So let's get on to the title of this episode. The problem with Pioneer. The, little, it's a little clickbaity, but it's not. Yeah. Because there are, I mean, it really should be problems and not problem, but the problem with Pioneer is just well, so, you know, punchy. Yeah, it sounds like we we all hate it, right? But actually, our play group is pretty excited to get into this format, right. but there are some issues. So the first one here that we're talking about is just about Pioneer and where it actually stands as far as it being a new format. Is Pioneer a super standard or is it a mini-modern? And to me, I see that Pioneer is a super standard and it's not a mini-modern. I agree 100%. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> so with all the cards available in Pioneer, what are people likely to play? Like we already talked about the copycat, the Sahili Felidar Guardian deck list and 
obviously that was one that everyone, I think, kind of figured out was going to be quick to be brought about and then also very quickly destroyed. Um, but what else do we expect people to play, right? That's kind of what we're trying to figure out. I think when we're talking about, you know, super standard versus mini modern, I think that we look at what the design for Pioneer as a whole is, which is that Pioneer was a format designed to allow people to play with their old standard cards, right? Modern was as well before it, but then modern, I mean, obviously with all of the mass amount of sets that are now incorporated into modern, it's kind of straight away from that and it's really just become its own thing in its own right. But I think that the design is very clear of what Pioneer is supposed to be, which is to enable these cards that you've got in your collection to be used again in a format that is DCI sanctioned. Yeah, I think a problem with comparing standard and modern is that when they print cards for standard, they want to help modern but not break modern. But the only people that want to play modern cards are trying to break the format and play the good stuff. And so they tend to lean less on the power curve in standard sets. And so having a smaller card pool like you guys are saying, just lets you play the powerhouses from previous standard sets and not necessarily affect modern because all these old cards, they you can play them in modern and obviously they if they were good, then people are going to play them anyways. But the fact that you can reuse them in your Pioneer decks just helps out so much yeah. for the format. Yeah, so I guess it's both the good thing uh, or the bad thing, depending on what your perspective is on having these you know souped up standard decks. One way to look at it is you take the best decks of standard at the time, you bring back all the banned cards that were banned for a reason because they were too good, and then you add, what, 30 more sets of cards on top of each deck that you can choose from and upgrade. Yeah. And that's how every deck of Pioneer can be, which basically translates to super standard. Yeah, I mean, it, it literally is. Like, you take this, whatever the deck was, and then find these weak points, fix those with exactly, the, yeah. the best cards. Just, it's, it's very similar to what Modern does, right? Like, when you're playing modern, you're looking at the new sets as what are the best cards in that format or what are like the very niche cards that are not going to be good in standard, but they're very good for specific decks in, in, modern. Around in modern. Yeah, and so that's that's exactly what it feels like is that you already have these decks in mind and then you're just picking pieces out. So as we move down here with our problems, another problem that we have listed is Frontier. What? Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. <laughs> so I put this on here, one, because the names are very similar, like, people who know what Frontier is are going to draw this parallel between the two. Yeah. The problem with Frontier was that Watsi really never got behind it. So there weren't like sanctioned tournaments. Uh, there's no pro involvement because of that. Like why would a pro bother wasting their time on that if there's no money, there's no anything yeah. in it. Um, and so just without the mothership support, you've got no prize pools, which means that all of the stores that were hosting these events had to put up prizes on their own. And players that got involved with it were very, very into it because it really did feel like a postmodern format, right? It was something that they could play without breaking the bank. It was tr trying to make all of the cards that you couldn't play in modern, these kind of like janky, bad, uh, less powerful cards, useful again, right? And that's exactly what Pioneer kind of feels like it's trying to do is that you have all these cards that have rotated out that aren't quite modern strong enough uh, or just don't have the right deck for it and you can still use that. Yeah, I think this format was trying to be a breath of fresh air for modern and standard players and it just didn't catch on. And Pioneer just came in so hot. And every, it's just the craze right now. And I, I think they did it right. But I'm sure Wizards looked at who? Frontier and said, 
Hey, I, they might be onto something. Yeah, there's, there's an audience for sure. Let's put right. some money to this. I was going to say, who created Frontier? Did it come from Japan? It Was it a... I don't know if it was specifically from Japan, but that was like where the first tournament was held. There's two yeah. that I think happened like a month apart from each other or like within the same month and both of them are in Japan. And there's another one in Europe. Uh, but the, the Japanese scene really kind of seemed to take to it because one, there was no ban list. Two, yeah. they could finally play those, you know, off cards that you just could never play before. Right. Right. And I so, think that's really where we have to draw the parallel, though, is that yes, they're similar and they certainly sound similar, but this is a Watsi sanctioned, Watsi created, Watsi announced format versus something that kind of, you know, players were trying to get to take hold and it just didn't. Um, and so I think Watsi, hopefully, if they do it right, has the ability to make this format last simply because they have their might behind it i think pioneer has the edge and just the the higher ceiling because watsi's behind it yeah and i think the the ban list is important for the longevity of the format but just the fact that they're pushing it so hard and in yeah, just they they're just driving it into literally every every direction like you cannot avoid pioneer i think that's the difference and i think that's why pioneer yeah is I don't think it's going to be a dead format because already people love it because people love playing standard and they love playing modern and they just want to play good decks and Pioneer lets them play the best decks for now. We'll see in six months where <laughs> yeah, Pioneer is at, goes. but I think in some form in some form or another, Pioneer is going to stay. Yeah. I, I agree. I think the... The answer to the question is of what makes Pioneer more likely to see, succeed is it's because it's a Watsi format. This is something they're pushing, advertising, creating for. They're going to build for that. They're going to recognize that that's a thing as they create in the standard environment. What I would say to the Frontier people, I, I actually didn't, I've never played Frontier. I didn't even know that it was a format. What I would say to them is, it may feel a little bit like Watsi's kind of coming in and stealing that thunder and saying, oh, we're going to do it and we're going to do it better or whatever. But I think it's important to know that Watsi has a very, very good staff who knows these things. And I don't think it's because it's starting at Return to Ravnica that people are going to like it because people do like Ravnica, but it's more about what cards are and what cards are not in this format. They know what is going to be balanced. And it it's just possible that they didn't want to say, hey, we're going to do Frontier, but we're going to add a ban list because then those Frontier people are like, well, fuck you. I don't want to play this. You know, <laughs> I, we had no ban list. Like they can't just build off of that, but make it balanced because then the people who were already ingrained in there are just going to bail. That's just not what they want. So they have to create something new. I disagree with naming it Pioneer because that's just very clearly a like, hey, we yeah, took the seemed, idea. Yeah, it seems like a real dig. Yeah, like, yeah. The, that, that. Name choice, like, but I think, I think the I frontier think, like, people postmodern wouldn't have been as, nearly as bad, even no. though the frontier I think, people. I think called that it would have been confusing. It would have been sweet, yeah, yeah, probably for newbies. But I think the frontier people should look at it as this is your chance to get a very similar experience to what you're having, but potentially have it be better and more accessible to you because Watsi is now behind it. They I don't know did if that makes change. It more accessible. I think well, that, that just having it be you know branded as they're doing it makes it less accessible for a lot of people because. I mean, just for me personally, I was looking at you know a couple cards that oh, are, and the prices jump. Like it's it's insane, <clears throat> right? Like the, they've got to come back down right now. It's yeah, all over the place. The, yeah, it's so unpredictable. I think that a lot of people who would have been interested in the format, there are, are legitimately just cards and decks that you you would have wanted to play that you just 
can't because three mana to ferry. Well, just the price on them have just escalated to yeah, the point of unplayability. A lot of these cards that were just at their the top of their time, just standard yeah. tier one decks, they went back up to their standard tier one prices. But and it, and it hurts a lot of people. It, it does hurt, and I think this is like a temporary jump. I think eventually it will level off. Maybe not back down to where it was. But that does show that there is a genuine, like a genuine interest. This isn't just 20 or 30 pros that said, oh, I'm going to go buy the best cards and go take this on these, these tournaments because we do have tournament support now. This is everybody putting in and raising the stock of these cards, which means that there is a genuine interest. There's a, there's a, a meta for you to play in. It's not just like, oh, I got to message someone on a subreddit and find a game in the next Skype four, 50 miles. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is worth noting that as of now, the announced GPs for 2020, they dropped the legacy ones in favor of pioneer ones. But I think we're, we're going to keep talking about them. All right. So before we actually continue with this discussion, we've got some beers. Uh, Gary, why don't you hit us off here? So in the pool of our three... Unfortunately, it's the least impressive, uh, but it's not a bad beer. I think it's, it's just the a, least interesting. I don't think it's the least impressive. I think it's both. It's, really? it's got kind of I think of it's a, both. <laughs> I mean, it's somewhat malty, somewhat dark. It's got a little tiny bit of hop flavor. It's really thin, which gives you almost the illusion of it being watery, but it's not. It is a full-flavored beer, but it's just, it's kind of a one note. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just malt. I don't know. It's, it's good. Like, I think that this is just a solid Czech beer. Like, it's it's a nice, dark Czech beer. It's not going to punch you in the face. It's drinkable. I think yeah. this is just, like, a fantastic, anytime, darker beer. You know, to you me, it doesn't nice have, like, the, th- the thickness or the richness of a stout, and it doesn't really have the funkiness that you might get from a porter. So it just feels more like a bland, dark beer. But, I mean, it's good. It's sweet. It's Yeah, it's I fun. think it takes a lot of good elements of Czech beer. Yeah. And adds a lot of good elements of dark beer, like that maltiness. But that's not to say that Czech beers can't be dark beers, right? Yeah, so I've never had a dark Czech beer besides this one. I think Drew <laughs> had the, the best the beer. Money. Uh, the more I drink it... Is it too sweet? The, yeah, it is just like overwhelmingly coffee sweetness. Yeah, like The more you drink it, 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 it does feel very one note to me because that's, that's all there is. It's just sweet coffee. Like if you, if you like sweet coffee, like... This is your jam. Like Starbucks. Yeah, this is like a, I was going to say a vanilla mocha, but I don't really get that much chocolate kind of vibe to it. I think it's really good, mm. but I I, I understand where you come from, where it is very plain mm-hmm. because it is just very sweet. It does, it kind of does just taste it, like coffee at it this has point. That, it doesn't taste like beer. Yeah, it has a very <laughs> cloying sweetness. Yeah. The longer, like the longer you just continue to sip on it. Like it's, it's a beer that I would enjoy a pint of once. And that is kind of where I'm at. With yeah. it. I don't know if I would ever want to go back to this because this reminds me so much of the uh, coffee cream ale from Keto's. And that one, again, it has that kind of golden color. It kind of throws you off a little bit. But that's something that it's smooth, it's coffee, but it also has the elements of the cream ale where this is just coffee sweetness. And it's very smooth and it's lovely, but it... For some reason, it's almost reminiscent of like a Warther's <laughs> caramel. You know what I mean? Just like sucking on just that sweetness. The sweetness, just, yeah. And it, I think that's because the aftertaste is just yeah. sweet. Yeah, I think I've I've changed my mind. <laughs> I agree. I, I that first taste was interesting. It was, yeah, it was, yeah, very it good. was like the first time you so tasted it. It's, good. it's 
different. It's unique. It's smooth, sweet, creamy, delicious. But that starts but to wear 16 off. ounces later, it's like, <laughs> oh, this, oh, this doesn't have anything else going for it. Yeah. yeah you kind of want a beer that has more characteristic to it, you know? Yeah. I think, I think when, that's where both of our beers If I ever get a sweet coffee, I'm kind of the same way. I get halfway through it and I was like, I don't want this anymore. Like, yeah. I've, I've had enough. Yeah, I mean, and I do love I don't get sweet left-hand coffee. brewing companies. Oh, yeah, no they're doubt. great. It's great, especially with the nitro. And I will say that if you are a coffee drinker and, you know, you should try this. Absolutely. If you are someone who likes white Russians, you're going to love this beer. Oh, yeah, it's but, nice and creamy. I would drink it quickly. Because the longer, because oh, yeah, we obviously eight point nine percent, but like you can down this yeah, in yes. three seconds. Well, like, and yes, I mean, yeah, yeah. we sip on these because we're in a podcast. We're, we're you know we're kind of talking, <laughs> and we're we're also waiting to review a second time. But I think that's one of those beers that you don't necessarily want to linger in your mouth for an hour. Because I agree, that second time around was far was, yeah, <laughs> far less impressive. A little too sweet. Yeah. And Corey, I think yo, this beer is good. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's growing on me so much. Yeah. I can't get enough. Yeah. As soon as we we pulled this one out of the fridge, I was like. Oh, turns out I, I did claim the white Russian here, but but maybe but I also have really, really been digging Scotch ales for the past few months mm-hmm. here. Yeah, as, as far oh, as Scotch ales go, it is ale. very different. And, and shout out to Moab Brewery. Like, yeah, I do like most of their their beers, but this Desert Select Scotch Ale, it's so different from any of the ones it, that I have. It is I think really that's different. why I just have been so much in love with these Scotch ales is because they are, are really always good, yeah. so different are we heavy? but at the same time they have like these similar God, characteristics God, to it. but this one is different from all those like normal characteristics that you expect it's weird because it really is sour without having like the acidity of a sour yeah the smell on it just that's just like perfectly like a christmas orange yeah the the smell and the taste are so different but so they work so well yeah i mean i'm 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 moving over i'm gonna make a pivot hard pivot Beer of the show for sure. Oh yeah, this is the beer God. of the show. As soon as I tasted it the first time, yeah. like I, I kind of figured that the Left Hand Brewing's uh, White Russian was kind of going to be one note after it didn't change at all between the three of us. Like we all had a very similar experience, whereas this kind of made all of us kind of question what was going on. Yeah, but, I was just taken aback because I don't, I don't <laughs> think this is a Scotch ale, but they they tell me it's a Scotch ale. <laughs> That's what they say. It does remind me though. Utah just had a change of law, and we haven't covered it yet. Speaking That's of true. rules updates, <laughs> yeah, this should have been banned <laughs> Yeah, we should talk about this uh, yeah. during the last episode. We're talking about announcements. That's something uh, I can't believe we forgot that. Yep. So maybe it's because Corey wasn't here. As of That's November first, Utah is allowed to have high point or regular point beer. So up to five percent yep, so ABV. All all the shit talking we did on Utah beer, <laughs> we're still gonna do, but we're gonna do a lot less of it because now yeah. we can actually taste the beer again. Yeah. What's I, I just absolutely love this because we used to just shit talk all the time about, you know, like Utah generics and just like even the good beer that's in Utah, just, they don't have, you know, that big of selection. They're very limited, but we've got places, breweries all around the country now that's like, hey, we can ship to Utah. We don't have to hey. fuck with our beer at all. We can just yep. do this. And so just between uh, Colorado, Oregon, uh, some from Washington, Idaho, and uh, New Mexico, we started to get so many new varieties of beers that we've just never had access to in the liquor stores and it wasn't worth that wasn't worth shipping to the grocery stores because you know they'd have to water down or do whatever to to get that low point and it wasn't worth shipping to liquor stores because it was just going to be expensive to have yeah. you know minimal shipments i'm not i'm excited 
Yeah, it was actually getting really rough here at, at the end of October because yeah. a lot of breweries and companies didn't ship to Utah because they were just waiting until the rules and the laws changed. And a lot of the breweries in Utah, just they stopped their line because they weren't allowed to make it till a certain point. Yeah. And so they just stopped making And so there were stores that were running out of the, the 3.2% or whatever it was because the brewers were just like, no, it's not worth making an entire batch just just to fill this last yeah, half yeah, month and or whatever. Actually, a lot of places up in Ogden for the last weekend, they just had like dollar pints on every beer that they had just to get rid of everything. It's the first law change on alcohol since Prohibition. So it's literally a gigantic deal here in Utah. There's a lot of people who are very excited. But yeah, a lot, of, a lot of good stuff. Unfortunately, a lot of bad stuff associated with it. Hopefully, moving forward, we're able to just consistently see the good in things. You know what that sounds like? The problems with Pioneer. Let's try and see the good <laughs> Pioneer like, yeah. really is to bringing but to the also, table. Let's do this distraction real quick and then, then yeah. get back to the problem with Pioneer. Transition, uh, man. Uh, so the third problem that I kind of came up with here for Pioneer is that we don't really have a good avenue for playing Pioneer online. Like online magic itself is kind of restricted in the worst ways, right? Uh, Arena is the most expensive accessible version of magic ever right anyone who has windows at this point can just download play arena it looks good it's easy to get into right they have like the tutorial and they'll teach you how to play the game which has never really been there. like they had the duels of planeswalker or whatever that shitty app was that on uh xbox had, as well yeah, on consoles and stuff but it was it, it was something it was it, it was all we had at the time. yeah <laughs> if you really 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 wanted to play magic you could get on there and do that it wasn't great uh but the, i think the the biggest Selling point, ironically, uh, for Arena is that it's free to play. Like yep. you could theoretically go infinite with Arena if you, you know, pay for your drafts, you win the draft, you get your gems off of it, and then you can continue to play from there. So Magic is being so heavily promoted on Arena, you know, and just Arena is being promoted itself. So why release this format that isn't on there, right? Because the alternative, uh, Magic Gathering Online or MitGo uh. or, or Moto. It's a Damn, horrible <laughs> place. No, he's right. Like, he should boot that. Oh, because, yeah. I've, I've played Midgo a few times. Like, because Midgo, oh, it's a horrible, that horrible that place I'm not doing that for shit. people that are unfamiliar with it, right? Yeah, like, it's horrible for people who are familiar with it. It's <laughs> literally unusable for people yeah, who don't no, know what the fuck's exactly. going on. Like, people who use it still don't like it. Like, I, as yeah. soon as Arena came out, I stopped playing Modern because I didn't want to go back to that interface because it's so frustrating and unfriendly. And it's just like, you know, I like that, you know, it allows you to set up your specific triggers when you have priority. And I, I think that that's fantastic. But God damn, is it frustrating to always have to F6. I think they updated now just, just six. Oh, you don't have to press F6 anymore. I don't know. But it was just like passing priority and making sure that everything that goes on, like you don't have anything to interact with your opponent's shit when it's going on, but you still have to like waste your time on the clock to go through it. And the fact that you do have a clock was just like such a frustrating thing because, you know, you're trying to make good decisions. And when you're playing like Aristocrats or Combo or something like that, and like you're, you're going off and you have to continue to make these actions, like your opponent's not going to concede. It's like you're going to run on the clock sometimes before you can kill your opponent just because of the way that your deck operates. And that's, oh, it's such a turnoff. Yeah, I think they, I think Wizards nailed it with Arena and just streamlining everything. And obviously it's, it's very restrictive in some ways, but it's also the most open magic has ever been in different ways. And like, as soon as I get it on all platforms... And Mobile. Yeah, if I have Arena on my phone, it's game over. It's designed because they're just copycatting Hearthstone, and so yeah. I, Hearthstone is on everything. So they're just trying to... Once they get there, they'll take over the world. Right, but like it's easy. The, the software that's designed on is already good for mobile. Yeah, 
Well, right. and the big problem is that, like we're talking about, Pioneer isn't available on Arena. And so now they have this huge format that they're trying to promote, trying to get new players into, trying to keep around standard players, but they're not allowing it on their newest, latest, greatest client. Right, exactly. Like we're taking a just a massive step backward to the worst client that we've had. Yeah. But God damn, Arena is just far and above way yeah. better than that. What I will say though is that we kind of had this discussion this last weekend when me and Drew were kind of hanging out. Um, we were kind of discussing that, you know, it's sort of a parallel to historic, which is an uh, an arena only format in that, you know, we're trying to use our old standard sets, but historic was only what had ever been on arena. So those right, cards right. already existed in their format. Yeah. Whereas what we're asking of Watsi now is to go back, would we say it's 34 sets or 29 sets? It's 29 it's, sets in total, but it's another yeah. like 20. So they have to find all of those cards, program them in with their animations and their interactions and their rules text and and add those to the client. Right. They've already got like a dedicated team to program Arena. Right. Whereas Historic was just... That team's not very big, right? Like realistically, I guarantee you that team is like maybe 10 people. Yeah. Right? Like, but to invest more time and effort into putting those sets on, right? Because we talked about the the sets themselves, the... uh, the, just the cards and the artwork and stuff like that and then doing the animations for very specific cards like they, they do for the other sets uh, then we talk about like voice lines because all the planeswalkers yeah. have you know voice lines and things like that all of the important pieces that make arena more interesting and fun and interactive have to be taken care of then they have to program all of the rules and the interactions right because there are cards that have very 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 specific interactions with yep. other cards and like you see those you go on to gather and you see that but they have to program all of that into the current client. And then they also have to have a way to host all of that information. Then players have to be able to get those cards. And the packs that you have in Arena are eight-card packs. Do you know how many of those eight-card packs you'd have to get to get enough wild cards to finish your collection? Yeah. It's insane. And Whereas so, what they're asking of Pioneer players in the real world is, hey, you know all those cards that you already have physically? Like, just go ahead and use them. See, I think they are actively working on all of this. I think, think so. And putting every, I, so. I don't know if they're going all the way back to putting modern on Arena. No, there's no way. But they're definitely putting Pioneer I into think Arena. So. I think that they're going to try. But I think, my, my biggest problem is that I think it's going to take too long. Like, if you look at just from, you can kind of make a supposition from the things that they've said. But basically, working on like Throne of Eldraine. To put Throne of Eldraine on, it sounded like they were working since before War of the Spark was released. Right, so that's like three and a half to four months that they were working on getting Throne of Eldraine on. Although Throne of Eldraine was extremely unique in the way those cards worked and interacted. Sure, but there, it's not like that's every set split cost and like yeah, specific in, yeah. rules in like we literally get a new rule for Magic almost every set. Yeah. Right, it's not like they don't have that extra work to do. So if I, it takes I them hope four months for just Eldraine. Imagine one of like the big sets. Like the maybe that's the reason it took like them so long. Maybe like, they're backlogging. See, too. I think <laughs> and, and maybe, but like that's so much. Work. Like I don't think that people actually realize how much effort and time that's yeah. going to and money and infrastructure. Yeah, exactly. Because they have to host all that. Yeah, I think like you, you just brought up a good point, Drew, because you said you only play Mitgo for modern. That, yeah, that's, that's literally the, the only reason why for I modern. I think they would try and push Pioneer and Arena as the spot for Pioneer and everything going forward. And my my only counter to that is that the way they've been pushing 
arena is that arena is the place to play standard, to play the sets. And the reason being, of course, is that they're doing it to play so that you can play the sets that sell the best. Yeah. Right? Like people buy massive amounts of standard products, right? They buy booster boxes, they buy the bundles and like the, the whatever other random crap that they've got out there, right? And people, just standard sales. Yeah, right? and I think that's exactly the reason why they would want to put Pioneer because people have all these backlogs of standard cards that will feed into the historic format and then eventually feed into the Pioneer format because they have, if you have all of these hydrate craces in a couple of years, they're going to be garbage and you won't be able to play them. But if they put Pioneer on Arena, then you might have a viable deck with them. I think this, I think then like we should just carry this conversation over into what my, I think the the fourth problem is here, which is talking about other formats. Like what what about the other formats, right? Standard is having some massive troubles recently. Yeah, I think that is the thing because Watsi they came out and there's like here here's this awesome present of this new format. You can play all your old cards and make all these new decks and have fun again. All those other formats that you've been playing that are all messed up. Don't worry about them. Yeah, it, just it, worry about it, it, Pioneer. Feel like Pioneer. It's sweeping, just play Pioneer. You know, the problems under the rug, but like so. Throne of Eldraine, uh, the limited environment, and they have actually addressed this, which I'm glad that they kind of talked about. Uh, but the bots are dumb, right? Like the the yeah. mill deck is just so strong, and the problem with having you know the mill deck in Eldraine, where you have like the the Merfolk that mills with its adventure and like the counterspell and like all of the other cards that you need to make the mill deck work in draft, the bots don't pick up because it's not a card that would normally be valued, and so you do that. And then you have just the mill cards just coming to you over and over again. You're like, okay, so I can just make a mill deck. You're supposed to be one of eight people in a pod that play against each other. So one player gets the mill deck. But you don't have that because you have every person drafting against these bots. So, so many people. It's literally like three or four people on draft are going to have the mill deck. That's a huge, huge problem. You can't have that because if you don't have the mill deck, you have to fight the mill deck. And you have to figure out how to get around that. But the mill deck is just good because it has all of the cards because the bots don't care. It's the most complete draft you can do. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we've talked about this off camera a lot, but the you can just manipulate the arena draft bots. Oh yeah, for so Ixalan, it was super fun because <laughs> you could get the the Merfolk deck and just crush everybody. It was great. Yeah, I think I I mean I hope that's something that they would work on in the future because I was always disappointed that it wasn't matchmaking. Player, be I was going to say, is there drafts. not a re is there a reason why they can't just put Probably, eight people in a queue? I assume because they don't have the servers and the matchmaking set up for it. Yeah. But there's probably a lot of logistics that go into it because you have to matchmake into a draft and a pod. At, at the right time. Yeah, right. so like, you'd have to wait there. in a queue for people. And nobody, everyone just wants to click a button and just go. I think right. the other problem is that you can literally draft your set, play a game, and then just leave for like five hours. Yeah, like, right. like we were talking... <clears throat> Like we were talking about the other day uh, when we met up, it was just that Arena, specifically we're talking about uh, if Arena came to mobile, I would be so stoked because I could literally oh, yeah. on the bus <laughs> in the morning, I could draft. Yeah. I could play a game. I could take a break. Or I could just, you know, draft and then wait till next week. And then I could play my first game and like go through my seven games, best of one, yeah, or just, like go through just my ring. Some, some quick bot games, get some gems or whatever, and some coins, and, and get a new pack yeah, with, every with, day. With draft, you literally can just draft against bots you know, drop what you're doing. Don't have to worry about it. Come back later. If you're drafting against real people, you have to play. You're, you're invested in that, right? Like drafting on right. on Mitgo, a lot of people are just like double queuing because they're waiting on you know one of them to fire. As soon as it fires, you know you play, and then maybe the other one will fire, and maybe it sits around for the next hour. But like 
you're invested in that queue because there are real people on the other side of it. Yeah, I think the only way to solve the problem is if they did real queues. And with that, they'd be like, here's, you have to be in this match for three hours. So we kind of got off topic there. So let's just talk about standard specifically, right? The problem is, you know, one blue green. Oko. Yeah. (laughs) Yoko. Oh no. I think, especially with Oko specifically, this is one of those cards that is just a red flag from the get-go. Because I think, I remember hearing a story, I think it was when Primeval Titan got printed. They said, as soon as this came out in standard, they knew they had to ban it because yeah. it was too good. And so like, yeah, I think why it was one would of the you ever from- print a card like that? And I think, obviously, Oko isn't, as soon as it comes out, it gets banned, but it just it has literally taken over the format. Right. Yeah. And people, I think, recognize the problem with Oko fairly early on, like maybe like a week after it got released. But like yeah. people were talking about it beforehand, is that the last three mana Planeswalker that we got that was just ridiculously powerful was Liliana. Liliana Last Hope, right? What about Teferi? He was before that. No, he was after. Yeah, you're right. But I don't think Teferi... Because Teferi had minus abilities, hey. he wasn't like as like obviously yeah, that, just that's the thing ridiculous, right? Oko and, doesn't have right, good and, minus right, abilities. Exactly, and that's that's the thing is that uh, Teferi you look at it and it's just like oh, in order to actually have him interact, like yes, he kind of acts an enchantment on the on the battlefield, yeah. But Teferi's he has he has minus abilities, right? And that kind of helps balanced. you like mentally balance it, regardless of whether or not he you know his ability is balanced or not. And so when you look at Luliana, she had plus abilities, which means she's staying on longer, which means that. If you are investing to kill her by attacking her, burn spells, whatever, you are investing way more resources than felt balanced to the power level of the card itself. And then you have Oko, three-man planeswalker, with two plus abilities. One of them is a plus two. He comes in with five loyalty, essentially. Yeah. That's a, that's, that's I, a lot to do. Yeah, with. I think, honestly, I think it was a, a typo. It was supposed to be a minus, minus one. Instead of a plus one. Like, it, if they did that... It, it would have made way more sense. It would have been balanced. Like, yeah. it would have still been an incredible card, but it, it, it would have been... Very good. It would have been... But like, you shouldn't I, get to the yeah. point where there's a... I think he's a, a French YouTuber or streamer, whatever he was, and he made a brawl deck around Oko. And he had a total of... And I told Corey about this. Three cards in his deck that were not lands. One of them was Oko. One of them was the Gilded Goose. And the other one was the Golden Egg, I think. And he basically just mulliganed until he got the Goose. Then he could put Oko out on turn two and from there it's just like hey good luck opponent I'm gonna every other turn make you know gonna do food turn that food into elk I'm attacking food I sacrifice it gain some life good luck trying to kill Oko I'm just plussing the entire time like you don't have to steal your opponent's stuff but you can also steal your opponent's stuff it's just like the fact that he consistently could win with that deck with three non-land cards Should in his prove, deck yeah. that's a problem it's a problem for Brawl but so, it's a problem for standard, standard, if you looked at those are the cards that are allowed. Do we do we think that it's more a problem of the builders or more a problem of the higher ups that are supposed to be checking this and balancing and to create bans? I think because it's I think it's clear to everyone that he should be banned. I think it's going to happen really soon, and yeah, I think as we sort of talked about all throughout our show that the sets come out months and years bef- like they've been designed in home to an age it's, it's usually about like way the before they ever come out and so i think you can just look at 2 years ago 
It sort and of just gets lost in translation. They should have of. known that this card was going to be as good as yeah. it was. Right, but I don't that, know. that's the thing, right? Like you think about happened. when the the playtest team came out, which was about a year and a half ago. I want to say I think that the the playtest playdesign team, whichever it was, uh, was working on Ixalan going forward, something like that. Which means that they should have had action to see this card, right? They should have been able to play with it, figure out the power level of it and what's going on in regards to the standard environment. So I think that there's a problem there, but there's just also a problem in design that that card should never be there. But yeah, I think it's it's just flawed yeah. design-wise. So let's jump through the rest of this as fast as we can. We're getting a little long here and definitely went off on a tangent, which, my bad. Uh, but the next one here is just, we talked about it kind of before, but historic, right? Like, I mean, this, what happens this, to historic? It kills historic, right? Because historic the people, is the, the few people that know about though? historic, just they just move on and they they either continue to play historic and love historic, just like people play tiny leaders, or they just graduate to pioneer and yeah. just See, join I, the horde. I think historic because it was a not sanctioned by Watsi in the way that pioneer is. Well, it doesn't and, have the tournaments and, and, and things like B, that. And B, it was arena only. I think they're two completely different things, even though they feel similar. The people who have those cards on Arena will still play Historic if they have been because they want to get the value out of those cards that they earned. Whereas Pioneer, they might gravitate towards Pioneer, but it's not a direct competitor because it's yeah, it's I physical misspoke. cards versus... I thought we were talking about Frontier. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. Frontier's fine. <laughs> historic. <laughs> yeah, that, I was like, why are you guys <laughs> arguing? Frontier's dead. Yeah, yeah, no, no, historic, I think, <laughs> kind of lives in a different area. Now, if they put Pioneer on Arena, Historic's gone See, too, I th- for I, sure. I think Historic's going to just gradually move into Pioneer. I think. I hope so. I think Maybe. it's like a prototype. for Just yeah. like uh, Watsi probably looked at Frontier and looked like, yo, that, so that's, that's a good... Prototype for Pioneer. Right. My only disagreement here is that we. I need to look at what Historic was, which was that people were bitching about having cards from Amaket and Kaladesh blocks, right? It's just like, we know you have those cards programmed into it. You literally just need to basically flip the switch, as it were, to get those cards for us to play with, right? And so Historic was basically just like this concession. It's just like, fine, you guys want to play with these cards? Here it is. You know, like, and you know, they made like a hoopla about it, but it was basically like, why wasn't this just already there? Like, yes, what the fuck? I think that's kind of the argument for pioneers. Like, I've I've got this approach deck that I can't use anymore. Flip the switch, make the new format. I can play it again. Yeah. Boom. And so I think they can. It's obviously going to take some time to program all this stuff in, but I think they can essentially flip the switch and bring pioneer into arena. Yeah, I think if pioneer goes to arena, historic dies. Something that actually might fight with Pioneer in some way is modern. Actual modern. Ooh. Actual yeah. modern. Whoa. The real deal. Um, it's currently just about as popular as it's ever been. I mean, b- the people who play modern play modern for a reason. Yeah. yeah. Argu- arguably so. It's, it's you know, I don't, I don't think Modern Horizon shook up modern as much as people thought it was going to be or as Watsi has hoped. But I think the cards that sit out are definitely standouts and they're definitely there to stay. Yeah. Well, the, the, like, the one card that cards. stood out too much got banned because it was fucked up. Astrolab. Yeah. And, yeah <laughs> in the popper scene, like they clearly yeah. care about popper. Ah, I'm, yeah. I don't know, I'm just frustrated about that. Anyways, but yeah, like modern is. I don't think modern's going to be affected, to be honest. No. Modern is like the, the, the Watsi, like, hey, you want to watch Powerful Magic? Well, we already fucked on Legacy, so here's modern. Uh, yeah. I mean, but, they gave people the option to be able to play Legacy at a cheaper price. By playing, by creating modern, and I think they're doing the same thing again, but in a way that I mean, legacy isn't gone either, right? But there are tournaments for modern, and there's yeah. avenues for modern. So the the 
audience that is there is going to stay there. Right. I think this is just a new way to include more people into your standard audience. I think it's a way to keep commander players and brawl players and all these players involved in magic year round instead of waiting on commander releases. You know what I mean? I don't follow standard because I don't have the fucking time to watch what's rotating and try and like build a new deck around. You know what I mean? Maybe Pioneer has an audience for the quote unquote cheaper folks like myself who aren't going to be able to afford modern. Well, you just say that modern, you know, is like people that would want to play legacy, but I, I modern was not designed for that. Modern was designed to introduce people who were playing standard into a non-rotating format, right? And it wasn't to get them to play a legacy light. It was literally just, hey, keep playing with your standard cards and we're going to encourage that. And that's how Pioneer is. And I think that the problem is, is that we are seeing cuts from other formats to make Pioneer, you know, being Which formats lot- do you think will suffer the most from this? From I mean, Pioneer. From what we've Frontier. Can, can tell already. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, Plus one. Uh, but well, we'll get into this in a sec, but Legacy is taking a hit. But I think that Modern might be taking a hit if Pioneer takes off. If Pioneer takes off, then Modern is like the most similar format that people would attribute it to that I think might take the hit for it. Yeah, I think Modern, if Pioneer already doesn't kick you in the nuts, I think Modern is the next in line to get kicked in the nuts because, like you just said, Drew, it's the most similar. So people are like, I don't want to play modern. I'll just play Pioneer instead because Pioneer... But I think that's only for new players. No, I think modern has, quote-unquote, been solved. Yeah, which right is, now. Which is why Modern Horizons was a thing. See, the way I view it is that the people who are there for modern, monetarily and emotionally, physically, are already invested. They're not going to leave it for Pioneer. They may play Pioneer for fun, I, but they're not going to leave I, it. I have some disagreements there just because I, I look at the, the pro scene, and if I'm... A professional player and i'm playing modern that's fine i'm a modern player that's great but now that there's a new format that has this massive prize well, not, i don't we don't know what the prize pool specifically is but yeah, this massive support that watsi's pressing like i want to push into that like i could like i'm fine as a modern player but i could be the pioneer player like it has so much potential and it's not that i can that i have to stop playing modern it's just that i can now be see that's what i mean is like you could i think modern players may play pioneer especially for the sort of new aspect to it maybe it'll maybe it'll catch maybe it won't for them but i just don't see it really hitting that bulk of the modern player base because they're so heavily invested in it already now if we're talking about who can we onload for sure pioneer is going to snake all the new people because if they're like hey i could play a non-rotating format I could spend $1,800 or I could spend $600 on a really fucking good deck. It's very clear which way most people are going to go. All right, Corey, say your piece and then move on to the next one. I mean, I think it's just like how we got into Commander. It's like, oh, I can use all these old cards that I know yeah. has. It's like, I'm a standard player and I don't have the money or time to keep playing standard and buy the new sets and buy four ofs. I don't have money to buy four Okos. But I have this Is It Phoenix deck and all these old decks, this approach deck, all these Teferis that I have, and I can just keep playing with those. I'm just going to keep playing with those. Yeah. I don't have enough money to buy prime times and uh, or amulets deck and stuff. Or, I don't have, yeah, I don't have time <laughs> to or money to buy a Goyf. So yeah. I can't get in modern, but I have this old deck. So I'm just going to jump yeah. into Pioneer. I think it's, it's a really, really good jumping on point for standard players, especially. And then there's definitely going to be some, um, a lot of movement from modern, but I don't think it's going to 
destroy modern or anything. I think it's, I don't think it's going to destroy. I think it's going to share a space yeah. with modern. I think a lot of modern players are going to play um, Pioneer just because it is a lot more open format. And it yeah. hasn't it has hasn't quote been unquote. quote unquote been solved, yeah. be, but it really is just super standard, like yeah. we mentioned. The format that's going to definitely take the hit is Legacy. Yeah, and we'll get that just after this one because I want to talk about Popper. Just after these messages. Just, and the reason why I want to talk about Popper is because it's literally one of the most approachable formats. Corey, you're talking about you know how new players can get into uh, Pioneer. New players love Popper because it has the potential to be so cheap and so accessible, right? It's even DCI sanctioned with tournaments on on Mitko. But Mitko sucks. What, what like where's the support in paper? Where's like the GPs? Right in June of this this year, 2019. The digital and paper rules were officially merged to create a common playground for all environments, right? People who play online can then go to a paper tournament. People on paper tournament can just jump online and get the same cards and play the same deck. Like, the rules are going to be the same. Like, But we still don't have the support for Popper, especially compared to what's also all of a sudden just out of nowhere being provided for Pioneer. Like, I think that Popper is taking a massive hit for what should be provided for it. Instead, we're just throwing it over to Pioneer. I think Popper is not supported the way it should be because it is not big and flashy magic. It is quote unquote bad cards and and balanced cards and people want to play the good stuff and win really fast. You can't. I've got to turn to win con off of a storm deck in uh, playing against other popper decks. People want to play mythics and rares that they've spent a lot of money on. If I play oh, for sure, if for I sure. pay a dollar for a card, I don't care about it. Like it's just another card. If I spend twenty dollars on a whole deck, it's it's my joke deck. I don't really care about it. But if I spend five hundred dollars on a deck, it's my pride and joy. It's my little baby. I want to take it everywhere, show it to everybody. And so, I think people are just emotionally and physically invested more in other formats than Popper. Yeah, I, which in like in actuality should be the jumping on point for Popper. It's like. It's cheap. You can anybody can play it. You got twenty bucks, buy a deck, just yeah, go. Absolutely. But, I yeah. think people buy boxes for standard and will for pioneer. Nobody buys boxes for popper. The the thing is, is it's not about the like you're saying, the aftermarket price of these cards. It's the fact that those cards exist at that price in the aftermarket. People don't want to pay $60 for a Teferi, so they buy boxes in order to get this large pool of collection and hopefully hit gold with a fucking box. That's how Watsy makes their money. And if they push a format where people don't have to do that, they don't make as much money. I'm not saying that's the only reason. It's certainly not the only reason, but, but the I think we should look at it. I mean, The counter-argument to that is that people don't buy boxes from modern staples. They just don't. They buy singles. They really do. That's like one of the, the formats that people... Like are very specific about the cards that are. And, and well, granted, modern, that's part of the modern specific. You can't buy a box of modern staples because modern horizons. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, yeah. Uh, but, but <laughs> I think they did sense, right? Like you can't, like you can't buy those boxes. Like those boxes aren't being made anymore. They're not being distributed. You can't buy them for the normal. But price. they're encouraging people to buy new ones for the new sets and standards. But I, that's entirely different to me. I think Gary brings up a good point: is that you. You buy boxes and all these packs for the good stuff to make standard decks, and then you right. kind of take the leftover common and chaff stuff. And sure, but that's not the same as me going out stuff. to buy a box of Return to Ravnica because I'm trying to get a specific card. Yeah, I'm you just know saying I mean? that the... The backlog isn't the point. No, it's I, going no, forward. It's the idea that Popper is just a secondary no, format. No, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with that. Yeah. I'm just saying and I think that it's frustrating, and to me it's wrong for them to be pushing this new format when we already have this other one that is completely accessible and that they could push, they could literally do a 
Popper Horizons or Popper Master set that would sell so well because it's this introduction for a lot of people into this new set. And you can charge up whatever the fuck you want. Popper like, that's, Horizons would be the dopest set yeah, like, ever. But it's clear I, I disagree. based on like Modern Horizons well and all of like think. the collector boosters and all of the other, like Mythic Edition, all the other stupid bullshit that they've been selling, that there's clearly a, a market to just, hey, you like this format? We have a set designed for it. We literally talked about it on the last episode. Commander's Legends. Like, it's a set that's basically unplayable in any other form besides Vintage and Legacy. Yeah. And yet, here we are with this support. Why not do, you know... Because Commander is the biggest format in Magic. Yeah. And Popper is not. Yeah. I, th- I think that's what Watsy probably leans on. They have people watching all of these formats and these avenues and these playstyles. They know... To I don't fair. want to call Popper a dead format because right. it's not, it but it's no. not going to sell the same way I think, as... To be fair, if, if I may. Standard. I don't think this is a Watsy issue. I think this is a Hasbro issue. That, I think at, the, at sure. the root of the problem is it is it is the money, right? But I it I think that is. talking about buying boxes is the wrong way to to look at it, and it's just kind of product as a whole. Yeah, I right? think that's just an ex- just the example that I used as yeah. far as monetary. But we were talking about this off show. They could make at their Magic Fests, they could make a popper tournament, and it would fucking fill for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. But they don't necessarily want to cut another tournament in order to do that. So if okay, they wanted that to, leads to add to the next that, one, speaking of cut tournaments, <laughs> they literally cut legacy tournaments right. just for Pioneer. Yeah, so I mentioned this before, but so far, I think, I'm not sure exactly how many uh, GPs have been announced for 2020. 13. Yeah, because I think it's like about half the list. I'm not sure exactly. Just, uh, into April. Okay, but I know they cut legacy tournaments for Pioneer tournaments. Which makes so, sense. Legacy support going down, Pioneer support way up. Which is, is something that we've actually just seen in recent years, right? Like, yeah. Legacy used to have a lot more support. But since, yeah. like, 2015, support has been declining. And it started to decline real fast in the past couple of years. Yeah, I think you... There's probably a, something you look at where it's just, like, the more they try and introduce new formats, the less support Legacy has. And the old, these older formats, while they they'll never give up because it's magic and they always love magic. They're trying to just keep doing just the new thing and just always supporting what's new and hot. Well, and I don't want to, to shit on legacy players or the restricted list or oh, any yeah. of these things. I wish things. I had a legacy deck. <laughs> yeah, it, it's incredible. But because the, the player pool is so small and the price of entry is so high, it's nearly impossible to convince new players to join that player pool. Oh, absolutely. Hey, and hey so, you want to play legacy? Oh, yeah. Okay. Twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, we have a magic podcast. We care about magic so much. None and of I us. just said, I wish I had yeah. a deck. Yeah, that I could play. I have cards <laughs> from the nineties from my parents. I have six thousand cards from the nineties, and I don't have a fucking right. legacy it's, deck. Well, the thing is, is that like, <laughs> to me, that is literally the reason why I started to play Canadian Highlander. Yeah, was because it's the closest thing I could, I could I could actually play power. But I could even feel what that's still like. the price wise is extremely oh, restrictive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, no. And so ridiculous. I think, and maybe this is controversial, maybe not. I think legacy should exist as a offshoot format. It should be those people who have those cards, and maybe your rich friends who you can conv- convinced to do that. Okay. But like, why should us? 
the main player base, the millions and millions of players the watch group. these fucking rich dudes, the same 20, 40, 100 legacy players play these tournaments every year, right? That doesn't seem fair to the gra- overarching player base. Whereas now we've got a new format that could potentially include everyone who plays Magic. That's the thing. Like, we're all making Pioneer decks. Yeah. No, none of us would ever say, yeah, I'm making a legacy deck. Right. And maybe it's because we're not legacy players that we're not upset about legacy getting cut. But I think it's a good move from a Watsi standpoint. I think it's the correct decision. Oh, yeah. I think if we're talking about business, then like all of all, my entire argument for like, Popper just disappears. Right. Like, yeah, I like my entire argument for Popper is about the accessibility and how, yeah. you know, cheap it can be to get into yeah. the format. Like you could literally just play elves. You could play like, uh, crater hoof elves right and you only need one to two copies of, of crater hoof everything else is forest and elves that are, make mana and that's a deck that can work right like you're talking about hundred dollar deck that compete with literally every other deck out there yep and obviously i'm not talking like popper specifically for uh like the crater hoof deck i'm like that could just be a, a modern deck right but there are popper versions of the elf deck that yeah. that work right and you can transition that into a different deck but you can start with the most accessible format out there and transition that through the other formats. And I think that's where my personal frustration comes in is just that we're pushing this you know, new format in such a massive way that hasn't been done before by Watsi. They haven't ever just like, okay, so just for frame of reference, right? Watsi's putting their time and effort and money into this format, right? They're a lot kind of abandoning some of the other formats, right? And I, I think that they should, you know, better support the other formats instead of just dropping all of the support for them, especially with Legacy, uh, just to pro- promote the shiny new thing. Uh, with the announcement of Pioneer, they told us that there was going to be five PTQs, uh, the League and Challenge uh, for uh, Pioneer, and they had the Magic Online Championship Street, right? The mocks. And they're just they're pushing it so hard. And as Corey was kind of talking about, of the already 13 Magic Fest announcements, the Grand Prix events for 2020, we have two that are standard, three that are limited, four modern, and four pioneer. We have as many as modern. Yeah, they're already seeing it as another modern. Like to me, that just shows where like the investment is going into. And obviously, Legacy's taking a huge hit. Popper, it's not that Popper's been in decline, but they're doing everything that they can to not bring it up to standard modern levels. So with that being said, uh, and our quote unquote clickbait title of the problem with with P- Pioneer. We did lay out the problems that we see, the, the issues that we see of what this is affecting the whole. Let's let's give our overall feelings about Pioneer. I mean, this is one of the first, like, totally Watsy created, approved, sanctioned, pushed formats in a while other than maybe Brawl. Yeah, but, I mean, looking at Pioneer versus looking at Brawl, the fact that it's non-rotating is ridiculously important, yeah. right? The ban list that they've presented and the fact that they're promising support to continue on with BNR updates, again, is massive. Yeah. Uh, the fact that Brawl just... I, I honestly have no idea where the fuck Brawl came from. <laughs> I don't know. Right? Either. There was never... There was, it's just... It's players just, weren't asking for it. It's just they saw how big Commander was and like... How can, How can we, we get benefit commander money? players yeah. to, to buy standard cards? Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's all not, it was, honestly. So with with the quote-unquote negativity that we've gone through in this episode, how do you feel about Pioneer? Hesitant. Hesitant. I think that Pioneer is the first format in a long time that I've looked at and said, this actually has potential, mm-hmm. right? And you look at Tiny Leaders, and I was like, oh man, this would be fun to play as a group. 
I never thought, oh, I can take Tiny Mutant Deck to the store and like have you know a good game. You know, you look at Brawl and I'm like, that format sucks. Yeah. You know, immediately I was like, no, fuck Brawl. Like I tried to build a deck and I was like, I literally would only play this on Arena if they they put it up there. And eventually it got there, but it took way too long. I, I was like, no, this format sucks. I'm not playing that, even if it got to Arena. Now it finally is. I'm like, no, this format sucks. Like, I don't know. I see that there's so much potential with Pioneer. And if they support it correctly, it could be the new modern. It could be the more accessible version of modern because it does like heavily have influence from standard. And I think modern moves into what legacy is and has been for the yeah, last that, few years. Because new players, if I ask my you know 16-year-old cousin to start and get into magic, there's no fucking way they're playing modern. Yeah. They can't get those cards. They just can't. They can get into a Pioneer deck by going to pre-releases and buying some standard cards, a back set of cards that maybe aren't that expensive. There's no way. Yeah. I guess I hadn't looked at Modern as the new legacy because that just, that leaves a bad taste in my mouth just being someone who did invest a lot of time and money into Modern. Like, I I don't know if that's the right way to look at it because I don't think Modern's going anywhere, but I think that Pioneer is here to stay. I think it's a good idea. I think it's great. I'm a huge fan. I think but, they're going to commit to it regardless. Oh yeah, I think it's it's just the next step. Like it's it's I think I think Commander is a really approachable format, but I think Pioneer is the next approachable format. I think that standard players and modern players can both jump in to Pioneer easily, and I think like we talked about, I think it suits itself well to being migrated into Arena to be adopted by just a giant player pool. I think it's also a little bit of a a tasty lure to commander players who maybe want that one-on-one kind of, you know, quote-unquote normal magic experience, but I, don't want to sit in a rotating format. Because everybody I know that, that plays commander, I'm like, dude, let's, let's build a standard deck. No, nobody's going to do it. Even if it's 150 bucks, even if they do an okay, you know, standard deck, they don't want to drop that money and have it disappear. It just... That's not the commander mentality. Right. I don't know that they're going to grab a lot of commander players on it, but I think it's more accessible to a commander player than standard is. Oh, for sure. For, for, yeah. yeah, when comparing to standard, absolutely. Just any non-rotating format, commander yeah. players are going to be like, oh yeah, I can play that. But I think just anyways, just from like my perspective, from all of the people that I talk about or that I've talked to about you know non-rotating formats versus commander, and most of them, if you're playing commander the rest of the formats can kind of fuck off and you play limited instead because that's what's yep. important is just to play the the new cards, right? Drafting, the people who draft and people who play Commander is surprisingly large uh, section of the Venn diagram. Yeah, I don't know. I think overall, I'm way more positive about Pioneer than I am negative. I think it's exciting. I think for people who play Standard, obviously it's going to be great. I think some people who play Modern, like you said, they might be, you know, good modern players that want to be the king of fucking pioneer. That'll be great. Um, And for me as a pretty heavy commander player who does not like the rotation of standard, I think this is, this is my second format. I I really believe that. I think especially as decks come around, like if I want to do a tournament style thing, I would rather do a pioneer tournament than a commander tournament because commander tournament has so many variables that are outside of your deck building and play style. Or, or play choices. You know, there's politics and all these things yeah. involved. That, like, I would rather do that in Pioneer. Right. And I, like, just for me personally, the reason why I play Magic, the reason why I am here right now in this room with you two 
is because magic is a social avenue for me. It is how we get together. We hang out as friends. We play magic. That's the reason why Commander was so optimal for us is because we could just bullshit around, play a multiplayer game, and it was great. You know, and the reason why I'm like my competitive side is entirely mm -hmm. limited, right? Like I want to draft the fuck out of a set, and I want to get as best as I possibly can at that format, and I want to you know just take down people. I want to go pub stomp people with it. You know, like it's that's fun for me. If that's where I want to be competitive, that's what I'm going to do. And Pioneer, the only reason why I'm interested in it is because our playgroup is like, hey, this is interesting. This is fun. Yeah. This, this could be awesome. And I think as someone who has played Modern, you know, extensively played Storm, like I can't play, I can't play my old decks, but I can play something that's close and that's what interests me, right? That right. I can play a different version of the deck that I want to play. Something that still you know feels I mean? good. And, yeah, exactly. And it, and it feels good and it's fun and it's my play style and it's something that it just, the, the format has potential and I want to try and hold as much judgment as I possibly can because obviously I'm very opinionated on it. Yeah, but and there I, are I, I formats that are going to suffer. There, there are negatives to yeah. this announcement. I just want to wait and see. I'm a huge fan of Pioneer, and I'm a commander player at heart, and I've already have made a Pioneer deck, so that yeah. just goes to show you I don't have a standard deck. I don't have a modern deck. I don't care. I don't <laughs> care about those. <laughs> but I Pioneer, just, it's in the mail, baby. I just think that, like you guys said, that Watsy chose this format to push and not other formats yep. and i think they saw a reason for that what the reason is i assume it's just money and this is the most people they can get because obviously they probably looked up popper and said people love popper but we can't get a lot of pop people playing popper people love legacy people that are going to play legacy are going to keep playing legacy we can't get a lot of pe new people into legacy i think it's not that you know we can't get a lot of money out of people playing popper i think it's that the cost of entry is actually low enough that People can just it's too low. Yeah, they can, they can just walk into a tournament, right? Whereas other formats, like they have to invest in the tournament and they have to spend the time to get good, which means that they're probably playing online, you know, on Magic Online, and they're investing the time to become Magic players. And that means that you know, at the end of the day, they've got you more committed. Yeah, exactly. Whereas Popper, it's like you know, I could be like, oh, what seems like a good Popper deck? Oh, exactly. I hear I'll about this like cool elf deck, and I just you know can throw it together and you know I'm not paying more than like three bucks a card and I can throw that together 60 cards yeah. that's easy I got my sideboard I know it's popular let's go they want you in the ecosystem and I I think that's a good healthy thing for their business it's just not a good healthy thing for some of the formats that we love and enjoy but All right. I think I think Pioneer is a good one I think, I think, I think it's, it's here I think to it's stay gonna stick around. it's yeah. got legs I, I would be surprised if it didn't yeah. honestly, just because I, th I think they're going to invest in it regardless of whether it sticks around even if they make a lot of aggressive bannings and do a lot of changes, I think people will still be attracted to it just because they can play a lot of their fun standard cards yeah. and high-powered decks. For sure. All right, beer of the show. One, two, three. Scotch, Scotch ale. Scotch. Yeah. Ale. From Moab. Moab Brewery. Moab Brewery. Yeah. Moab. The Desert Select right. Scotch Desert ale. Desert Select. All right, guys. I think that wraps up our discussion on the problems with Pioneer. There are many. There are many. There's some upsides. There's some downsides. Hopefully, you guys are getting into it. I know our play group, uh, at least four or five of us have already bought the decks, right? <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. we're, we're in it. So, it's happening. Um, hopefully, you guys find some fun in it. Hopefully, you guys are happy about it. And if you degree. don't, please let us know yeah. why. Like, what is what is your hesitation? Like, You know, you know mine, but yep. what has made you not invest in the new format? Yeah, and then just show us some good beers as well yeah. like oh i'm trying to get my drink on <laughs> we're up for them i'm stressed jets. out a lot <laughs> yeah cory has been so working his I need some good beers to drink off. so just, just hit us up thing is is that right now we're you know starting to come into 
as winter approaches us here, we're starting to come into that dark beer season. That I love. Oh yeah. And so finding like a nice dark beer just to wind down the day it's with a winter lager. There's a lot of good beers out there, but we don't always we don't always know what what's there. So let us know. Uh, and you can do that on Instagram, Twitter. Facebook, we're at UUD Podcast or Untap Upkeep Drink, and of course check out Drew's Brews. Uh, I got, I was able to rope Garyan in and help we me review one. one. Yeah, but anyway, guys, thank you for stopping in to listen. Hopefully, you guys are listening on YouTube as well. We're putting up videos for every single one of these podcast episodes. Look at those slow mo pours. Ooh, yeah, baby, you can Corey really does get, a nice job. Yeah, he's yeah, working on it. He's a hand model Get by now. Get my technique down and everything. <laughs> but as always, guys, like we like to say on this podcast, have fun, but not too much.